Hidden Treasures Revealed is live. We will be back with you in just a moment. Well, Phil, we're back on the air Tuesday evening. Did you have a day filled with blessings? Can't have any other kind of day. Faith in God, that's just the way it is. You you know from yesterday having uh, my truck break down, but I didn't upset me uh, because I view it as a blessing. I've already learned some lessons from it and just going to see what else comes. So key is working through the lower conscience sometimes on issues of struggles that come up, but we'll continue to work on those things and going to enjoy life. Agreed. I like the Bruce Hornsby plug you put in there about that's just the way it is, but as we go forward. <clears throat> Good evening, everyone. This evening, this is something that came to mind, and it actually goes, as Yah does this beautifully well with leaning off of the podcast, just piggybacking off the other, just bringing more truth and more understanding. And with what I just was just talking to Phil about with the blessings, the blessings and the curses. And just to bring out something that we talked about here recently, a few podcasts ago that with blessings and curses, that once you have the fullness of faith in Yah with circumcision of the heart, you no longer are in the flesh, you are in the spirit, and therefore you're in the, everything that you have in your life is blessings, because sin has been taken out of your heart and is in your body of flesh now to where you still carry the body of flesh, which is the thorn in the flesh, which is the sin nature in your body of flesh, but you live by the spirit, so therefore you do not sin, and then therefore everything that happens to us is a blessing. Now we can take it, and think about it differently than a blessing, but it doesn't mean that it's not a blessing. So it's our our job to make sure that our mindset is that everything that I have in my life is a blessing, no matter if it feels like a blessing or not, because the feelings can be deceptive. Though, well, if it doesn't feel good, then it's not a blessing. No, you can have, and I'll speak to experience on this even today and yesterday, that you can have times where the feeling is not pleasant at all, but filled with much blessing if your mindset is in the right area and you're thinking about it from a truth perspective. What we're going to be starting with tonight, and Phil, as we say that wherever mother wants it to go, it will go. This draws in on the complaining as well. And we talked about recently on the podcast and in our gathering itself about setting your mind steadfast to get it into your heart through practice of not complaining and setting your mind that you're not going to complain about anything other than if you have something that you've evaluated and in yourself in regards to the truth of God, that God will lead to a complaint from the right perspective. 
But for us just to complain without knowing the reason from not a godly perspective that it's not pleasing to God that we complain because complaining is bringing an accusation against someone. And if we actually bring it against someone, we're bringing it against Yah, even if we don't see it. And living a life of contentment, which is being okay with whatever comes to you in your life, no matter what it is. And really what it is, it's a steadfastness in mind through repetition and practice into your heart of know everything that I go through with where I am is a blessing and I'm going to see it as a blessing. I refuse to look at it as a curse any longer because for others it's a curse, but for me it's a blessing because of the steadfastness in mind. So with those things, this came to mind this afternoon and I looked up a few scriptures on this and it's, it's interesting because once you get to the place of circumcision of the heart, you no longer sin, and that's the goal of faith. The goal is to make it to the fullness of faith where Messiah, Yeshua, when he was on the tree, that he said it is finished, meaning that his giving his life as the sacrifice for sin, it, it's finished, that I'm, I'm here one time to die. I'm not dying multiple times. I'm not coming back to die again and again. This is the one sacrifice. It is finished. It is done. And that sacrifice was for himself and for others that would follow him and those in him will follow the same path that when you crucify yourself with Christ spiritually, then for you it is finished, meaning that the written code is nailed to your cross. Therefore, you transform from being under the law to living in the law, in the spirit of the law, by the grace of God. And this is where this came to mind about, we maybe talked about this a few times on past podcasts, but we haven't really talked about it specifically. And the goal of faith is to get to the place, as mentioned, circumcision of the heart. And what that means is, and this is not taught in mainstream Christianity, but we're teaching the truth of God. And the truth of God is, is that find the place where you get away from sin. If that's the, the main key with the teaching of God is the way to be holy as Yah is holy is to find the place where you do not sin. Messiah preached this in the Old Testament. It was talked about, about repent, walk in my ways, obey my words, my ways. Ultimately, they weren't capable of having sin removed from their heart in the Old Testament. All they could do was circumcise their heart, which is to be steadfast to where no matter what, that they're going to follow God, no matter what. They could circumcise their part, which is their mind, but not their heart at that time because mother, the work of mother had not come around yet because Messiah had not come to be the first uh, to have the circumcision of the heart. So with that, it came to mind. So the, with what, just like it says in the word, the, in Hebrews, the main thing, the main goal of what we're saying is this, find a place to where you sin no more. Messiah told that to, I know at least of one person, uh, I'm confident others as well, two, at least two. At least two. And he says that to the believer as well. All right, I don't condemn you. You're, you're walking in repentance. You have your sins forgiven for a time, but go and sin no more or something worse will happen to you. And that worse that will happen to you is the being thrown into the abyss, being thrown into hell for eternal torment. So I was looking this up and in the word of God, Messiah mentions this specifically and it's in a couple of different areas, and there's actually one that I read that I'm going to read here from the Bible. 
where he talks about that there is a sin that is not able to be forgiven. And I don't remember, I'm sure a lot of things were talked about when I was growing up, when I was going to church, but I don't remember this being brought up about probably hearing it for being read, but no discussion or information on what is the one sin that's referred to as the one unforgivable sin. What is that, how it works? And from the word of God through the truth, Yah is, is teaching us this, that we know the answer to this, and we're going to be getting into this. And the way this came about on the account I'm going to be reading, and anybody, if they have their Bible with them or listening to the podcast at a future date, if you want to go ahead and pull this up. And it's actually, it's in three locations. One is in Matthew, one is in Mark, and one is in Luke. And the one that I'm going to read, I'm actually going to begin in Mark chapter 3, and it's going to begin in verse 20. And the beginning of this, it says, where Messiah it says, accused by his family and by teachers of the law, just a little uh, heading here. And it says the following in the, in the word of God. Then Messiah entered a house and a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons, He is driving out demons. So Messiah called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up, then can the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Messiah's mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. They were accusing him by the power of what he was doing, saying that he had an impure spirit. They didn't understand that it was the work of mother within him doing that. And that's why he was warning that if anyone commits a sin against Abba, if anybody commits a sin against Yeshua, that it will be forgiven because at that point, before the circumcision of the heart, you're walking in repentance and your sins are forgiven. You haven't got to the point where you've been enlightened, as it mentions in the book of Hebrews, saying that and we had talked about this in podcasts before of walking away from your salvation, in essence, abandoning, leaving your salvation behind is what happens. And in this context, Messiah is saying that if you do something against me, you do something against the Father that 
that can be forgiven, but be warned because if you blaspheme the work of mother, which she has done, then you're in a place of not being able to be forgiven. And the reason is, and this is something that's not being taught and it's misunderstood is when you're in a place with circumcision of the heart and you have mother dwelling within your heart, you have sin removed from your heart. So you no longer sin. So you are now dwelling in the fullness of deity in bodily form. So you dwell with God in the heavenly places. So the life that you live is for God and God has no sin in them. God is light and in God is no darkness at all. So it would be like this. If you're a child living at home and let's just say that you leave and you're rebellious and you come back, you repented to your parents and your parents say, okay, you can come back in. You can live in the house now because you didn't realize the error of your ways. But once you know the mercy that was extended to you, And you get to the point where you decide that, no, I know this way and I don't want it anymore. And you pretty much tell your mother in the house, the the husband is there, the father's there. And you tell the, it'd be like you telling your mother, get out. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Get away from me. You're despicable. Well, what would happen to that husband or father that they say, all right, that's it. Get out. That's it. You you're at the point of no return. Get out because you knew the way of righteousness and you're trampling what we've given to you by grace. So you've insulted us. So get away. Don't ever come back again. And a lot of people misunderstand this because I remember a teaching that I was telling, telling you Phil about, and if you remember this, there was a video where somebody wrote into either a pastor, some kind of religious leader, and they were just seemed like they had broken down and were just so scared and afraid that they had committed the, sin where they fell away. And they were like, well, I think I fell away from faith. And the guy says, well, that's your problem. And didn't really have any, well, if you did that, then that's on you. And yeah, but the thing is, if you would actually blaspheme mother, it's something that, that is intentional, that you know what you're doing, that in your mind, you don't want it anymore. And you're walking away from it. And it's just, uh, the warning is in the word of God to be careful of that because Don't, as the word says, that don't look at the blood that sanctified you as a common thing. Don't insult, as it says, the spirit of grace, because you've been given residence in the kingdom of God by faith. Don't trample that and go back to the old way of sin again and think that you can return. And it's, we have a story of this in the Old Testament with Jacob and Esau, that Esau was attempting to get the blessing from his thing had already been given to Jacob. And he wanted to get the blessing, but he forfeited his birthright. He gave up the birthright, and he's not able to get the birthright back. And it says that he diligently, with tears, sought to get that back, but it said no place for repentance, even though he diligently sought it with tears. So this is an issue to be able to understand that in order to blaspheme the Spirit, you've got to get to a point where you have the fullness of faith in this situation. So those that are out there, if you're at a point where you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're still sinning and you just have that moment of, well, I just, I think I've sinned because I was reading Hebrews and no, because it makes it clear in Hebrews that there's a process of this. It says, once you've been enlightened, which means that you've got the circumcision of the heart, you got mother living within your heart and tasted of the heavenly gift and experience the goodness of God and the powers of the age to come. Then 
if you fall away, you cannot be brought back again to repentance because it says to your loss that you crucified the Son of God again to an open shame. Well, really what you've done is you've insulted the work of mother because mother has come in and because of Messiah's sacrifice and because of your sacrifice with his that you've proven faithful and now I'm going to take sin out of your heart and put it in the body of flesh. Well, now you're saying that that's of no good to you anymore. You want the old way of death back. And that's blasphemy to mother because her work is to come in to live in the believer so that they're able to bear fruit to God and to be able to live a life without sin. So you're insulting the work of her son and you're insulting what she has done. And that is something, a place you don't want to be because in Abba's eyes, mother is his beloved and you are insulting her to her face. And therefore that's not tolerated and you're going to be left out. And that's why with what Yah is teaching us about the complaining and you get frustrated and you get angry that if we don't evaluate those things that we would get to a point where we get angry and frustrated at God and God is not to be mocked. God is not to be blamed for our problems and our issues and our frustrations. That's our issue. If we get to a point where we blame God for that, then we put ourselves in danger of blaspheming mother because, Hey, count the cost. Our son Messiah told you that count the cost. But when you get into this, because it's not your place to complain before God and blame them. It realize that, Hey, understand the mercy that's been given to you that watch yourself because the word says, do everything without complaining, without murmuring so that you may become children of God who shine like lights in a perverse generation. So in Messiah, we're, we're a part of a higher calling of taking things patiently when we're mistreated and be in a place where why not rather be wronged in the situation that you're in? Because that's what you've called to. Messiah is your example. When he was beaten, when he was persecuted, it says that he did not argue back, that he didn't open his mouth, that he entrusted himself in the one that judges righteously. We're called to that exact same life, that we are called to take things patiently. We do what is right, and we're persecuted for it. Take it patiently. He's been given us the example to follow because in this life, that in the journey of faith, when we come to starting with seeking with all your heart and then believe God and then believe in God, and then you repent to Abba, and then you walk in repentance towards Abba, then you come to Yeshua and you start the same process. You repent to Yeshua and you obey him and you trust him. And then you crucify yourself with Christ and then you have circumcision of the heart. And then you continue to walk in the ways of mother and trust that all this continues. It's a journey of faith. And you will sin along the journey of faith because repentance is for the forgiveness of sins for a time. So Yah knows that you'll still sin, but your mind is steadfast that you are not in agreement with it. You're against it. You're doing everything you can to get away from it in your mind. Therefore, you have forgiveness of sins. Then as you move to obedience, you learn obedience. You learn the spirit of the law from Yeshua to get that into your mind so that you can get it into your heart. And then you continue with circumcision of the heart, now you have sin removed from your lower conscience. Now you can start mastering mastering sin because now you're the master. You can now look at your lower conscience. You can evaluate it. You can look to make changes, get the old out, get the in, go through that process. And Yah gives us grace and mercy in these things. But there's a journey to this. 
And what's interesting is in the word of God, and actually talks about this in John, that he says, if anybody commits a sin that does not lead to death, then talk about it, you know, repent of it, and you can move on from it. And he says, there is a sin that leads to death. And he says, but I'm not saying that we should pray about that because there is sin a sin that leads to death, but there is sin that leads to righteousness. And that doesn't mean that we justify anybody sinning. It just means on the part of the journey, sin that is committed while walking in repentance is going to be sin that leads to righteousness. The sin that leads to death that John is talking about is the blaspheme of mother, that that sin leads to death. So if you're a believer in God, that's why all the warnings, and we had talked about this before, that people will think, well, you can't quote, lose your salvation, walk away from your salvation, but we know that you can, because why would Messiah say that sins can be forgiven, committed against me, but there is a sin that will not be forgiven. So that tells you that it is possible for you to do that. So stay away from that. Don't get to that point because we talked about blessings and curses. And in Hebrews, it mentions that if you have a land that is bearing fruit and takes in water, it receives blessings from God. But a land that is cursed and has thorns and thistles is in danger of ultimately being burned. And that's the thing is that once you've come to the blessing side and you're on that side, don't leave and go back to the curse side because if you do that, there is no way back to the blessing side. And that's why the warnings in Hebrews of watch yourself that you don't get to that place where you do that. And that's the thing with these things we talk about, Yah would not put it in their word if it were not possible to actually do it. So this is just a, a, a good way to understand because I remember just thinking about this this evening that or there, there could be people out there that think that, oh no, well, I was just reading in Hebrews and I've got to that point where I've just, I've, I've committed unforgivable sin. No. Find your place to have a place without sin to where once you have the fullness of faith, make sure that you continually work out your salvation and you keep working on yourself so that you don't go to a point where you could actually get to that point of committing the unforgivable sin. And the reason that it's not able to be forgiven is because Messiah has already been perfected. He's already in the kingdom of God and he is immortal and he cannot die again because he came once for sins, the just for the unjust, he's already perfected. And therefore you would have to go back to repentance again, which would mean you get another sacrifice, which would be only be the son of God. Well, he's already been perfected. He's already given the sacrifice. So that's why it's impossible to come back to repentance because you have no sacrifice that will cover you. Plus the fact is that you did it with knowledge it wasn't out of ignorance. So there is no, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. It was just like the enemy that you're in the kingdom of God and you sinned and you've seen God themselves. You've walked on the mountain. You've been amongst the fiery coals and you've seen it, you know, God. So therefore there is no way back because you did this knowing that you shouldn't do it and you did it anyway. So this is just another one of those that goes along with blessings and curses and to just make sure that we're really evaluating ourselves and making sure that we're not complaining to God 
and not that we even realize we're doing it intentionally or unintentionally that just to watch ourselves, just to know that that can happen. And especially those that are on the journey of faith that just make sure that you understand that the gospel messages is a process. And this is something that is possible. And just another one of those teachings of God that just goes along with the, the blessings and the curses and the complaining. So Phil, that is what, you know, just came to my mind to start. And I'll, if you have any thoughts on this, I'll turn it over to you. Just for a little clarification, the uh, scripture that you had referenced it talked about praying for sin. Uh, and it makes a, a clarification, and you had said this, uh, it makes a clarification that there there is sin that leads to death and sin that leads to righteousness. The sin that leads to death, I'm not talking about praying for that is what the, the word says. And um, it's not just the sin of blasphemy, because anybody who's blasphemed, your prayers, uh, if you pray for that person and their sin, then it does no good uh, if they've blasphemed mother anyway and god makes it clear don't don't pray about that but there's also another aspect of it that needs to be understood as well sin that leads to death and sin that leads to righteousness there's a reason this is in the bible because there is sin that leads to righteousness and there's sin that leads to death and and you would hit it right on the head. The sin that leads to righteousness is the sin that is committed in repentance before you have circumcision of the heart where it's forgiven, but you can't control it right now because you don't have the circumcision of the heart. So that's sin that leads to righteousness. Okay. Sin that leads to righteousness. So when you are righteous, there is no more sin. It's the sin that you pray for in that circumstance is the sin leading up to the righteousness, which is the circumcision of the heart. Sin that leads to death, and again, the one you spoke about, about the, the blasphemy, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but any, also any unrepentant sin, any sin that somebody commits that they're not that, that they're not repentant of, don't pray for that because that is sin that leads to death. Why? Because, well, if there's no repentance, then there's no forgiveness. If there's no forgiveness, there's no righteousness. If there's no righteousness, then there's no kingdom of heaven for you. You're going to burn eternally. And so the objective goal of what they're saying is pray for those who are in who are sinning but not wanting to sin, who are on that journey of they, they sin, but they have forgiveness <clears throat> in the midst of it. Now, we can pray for other people, okay? But God take away their sin. No, what, what, what worth is there for me to pray for God to take away their sin until they repent? When they repent to God, now... I can go to God and say, God, have mercy on them because they don't know what they're doing and they, they don't, they can't control it right now, but God already knows that. 
So we have sin that leads to righteousness and sin that leads to death. And you want to make sure that if you're sinning, that your sin is leading you to that righteous place. And it's just a matter of you being in it until you can prove to God that you're going to be obedient to their word and what they say, and you're going to carry it out. So another aspect where it doesn't have to be with an angry intent against the spirit. It can just be intention against the spirit or intention uh, that involves the spirit that is wicked or wrong. The uh, one that came to mind to me was a New Testament scripture of Ananiah and Sapphira. And I believe it would have been different if they had not premeditated what they were going to do with the money. If they had not premeditated, they're going to lie about it. And they talked about it so that they would back up each other's stories. Then it wouldn't have been an issue. But the problem is, is there was premeditation in it premeditation of deception because the money was theirs anyway. They could have said, look, we're, we're giving you half. We're keeping the other half to do this or for that or for the other, whatever it is. And there wouldn't have been an issue, but the fact that they held back money and then lied about it. And Peter even made the statement that you lied to the Holy spirit and instantly Instantly, Ananias, uh, Ananias, dead right there in front of Peter. Boom, done. Because he blasphemed with premeditation. Then his wife comes in, not knowing what had just happened. And the same question, she gave the same answer. And her outcome was exactly the same. So they weren't thinking in their minds yeah, we, we don't like the spirit and we're going to, we're going to uh, lie to the spirit and cheat and no, but so you can commit that blasphemy having faith. Cause if you read that story, why did they die instantly like that? Well, because of the response of the people afterwards, a great fear came across the believers which is good because you don't want to uh, intentionally lie to the Holy Spirit. And they had intention because they had already set it up ahead of time. And again, <clears throat> they wouldn't have had a problem if they would have told the truth. And they would have said, look, we're giving this much. We held this much back because we want the whole party or whatever it is. Okay. You didn't lie to the Spirit, so no harm, no foul. So just the uh, importance that you have to have your mindset in the truth of God, even with circumcision of the heart, you don't know what struggles and suffering is going to come your way. You don't know that you may lose a child or you may lose a, a family member or you may, you know, you, you, you may lose a house. So there's all kinds of things that could happen to you. Look at Job and what happened to him. But 
we have to program ourselves to have the same mindset that Job did, that blessed is the name of the Lord. Naked I came into the world, naked I will leave. Let the Lord be praised. Let the Lord be blessed. If I struggle, if I suffer, I suffer. If something happens I don't understand, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding anyway because the Word of God tells me, trust in them and don't lean on my understanding. And there's a good reason for it because I have temporal human understanding. They have perfect, immortal, eternal understanding. And so which one's better? I, I, that's, a, that's an obvious I answer that one. And so just the importance of being steadfast with God, being perfectly honest with God, but making sure that it's a respect and that you're respecting them well in the midst of it. And it's interesting because when we talk about sin and you spoke about the circumcision of the heart and the removal of the sinful nature. And that's a must that people need to know. Anybody who's seeking God with all of your heart, you have to know that you have to find that place of not sinning. And one of the scriptures actually that people will bring up to say that you can't stop sinning actually tells you a different story if you pay attention to the words of it. Because we've had people, and I've had uh, people, when you ask them, do you sin? Well, yeah, we all sin. And then the scripture they quote is, well, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that I don't argue with. I sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Here's what they're missing, though. Okay? As many times as they quote that scripture, this is what they can't see because the veil covers their eyes. With that scripture, sin is the problem. All have sinned, and because you have sinned, you have fallen short of the glory of God. So, in other words, to put it in what we would say layman's terms, to break it down for people to understand, is that if you sin, you fall short of the glory of God from the exact scripture that they'll use to try to justify that they sin, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, if you've fallen short of the glory of God, that means you're not going to be in the kingdom. There's no ability or place for you to be in the kingdom because you've fallen short. And so sin, if you have sin in your life, you're falling Short. If you feel like you're in a place of darkness, then you're not in the light. Because the beautiful thing about light is darkness cannot overcome light. 
light can overcome darkness. The light has to go away for darkness to be prevalent. But light makes forces the darkness to go away. So, because I've heard people say, you know, that, well, we, we just keep praying and uh, Jesus is going to help us through the, help you through the darkness. And it's like, no, be in the light as he is in the light. We're, we're not children of the dark. We're, we're children of the day, not children of the night. And so just with that scripture of all have sinned and fall short, that's telling you that if you sin and you know you sin, you fall short of the glory of God. And everybody has. But if you want the glory of God, then you have to move from that place of sinning to a place of righteousness. And that righteousness is a place without sin. And that's why there is no condemnation for those who are in Messiah. That's why their conscience is clear, not they don't have a guilty conscience. And that's the beautiful thing about the aspect of sin is somebody can try to convince you they don't sin, but they themselves know. And so what if you fool me? You can't fool God. And so when you sin, you fall short of the glory of God. How do you think you're going to be okay if you continually Sin, and this is the thing. See, we can tell people because of circumcision of the heart that we don't sin, and we know exactly what it's like to not sin. They're not capable of understanding that. And I get that because until you have circumcision of the heart and you experience it, you don't know what it's like. But don't tell me that I don't know what it's like. Just because you haven't experienced what I've experienced doesn't mean my experience isn't real. And we do this a lot in this life, that if we think something somebody's saying is far-fetched and we can't put a, a finger on it and, and grasp it, then we just think they're lying. And no, you you didn't do that. You did not do that. And it's like, you can't, don't tell me what I do. And it's interesting because most of the people that I've talked to about sin in their life who go to that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they don't, they don't understand it. They, they don't understand that you can be in a place of not sinning. Well, I know you can because I've been there. If you, if, if you, even if you think I'm not being honest with you and you think, I don't know what I'm talking about, come talk to me and walk in my shoes. Let me tell you what I did and how I did it. And you walk in my shoes, meaning you do the same thing. Then you will find it to be true. I had an experience that I had shared with you this was uh, many years ago when we were in mainstream church, a Christian church, and it was an experience I had. And then when I explained it to two people that I thought were uh, 
well, it was the pastor of the church and, and one of the elders, and they kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And what I was talking about was it was biblical. I'd seen it before. It had to do with removal of evil spirits. And they looked at me like I was crazy. But there was one gentleman that I actually, somebody else that I had told about it, and he had that look of, I'm not sure about this. But here's the difference between him and the other two. Later on that week, I I met him in the in the church, and I uh, he said to me, I wasn't thinking about what I had shared with him, and he said, I uh, I had that thing happen, and I was like, What do you mean? What what thing? Then he explained. He said after I had told him what my experience was, he went home. And he actually did it, and he experienced a similar thing. Different, but similar perspective. So then he could understand what I was talking about from that situation. But unless you've walked where I've walked, unless you've gone through the journey of the gospel message, you don't know what it's like, and that's okay. But don't discount the word when the word of God says that in him there is no sin. No sinner will inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. All those things tell you that you must do away with sin. And to the, the scriptures that you brought up, the woman caught in adultery, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then the young man that he healed of his lameness, uh, take up your mat and go and leave your life of sin so that nothing worse may happen to you. And again, you alluded to it. The worst that can happen to you if you continue to sin is eternal burning. And people don't want to hear that in this day and age. And You don't, in the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you don't lose your salvation. We we did a podcast a while ago talking about the losing of your salvation. Just for the clarification perspective, what we were saying, and it was true, but you don't actually lose it. You forfeit it. You give it up. Now, when you're in the hand of God and you don't forfeit it, then... No ruler, no principality, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Messiah. But you can forfeit it. Did it say in that scripture that even you yourself, you cannot forfeit uh, being in the hand of God? No, it says no one can snatch you from the hand of God. But if you forfeit it, you walk out the door you walked in, which was the grace, And once you walk out that door, the door disappears. It's it's like you walk through the door, the door was there, you turn around, and all you see is a solid wall, nothing, no door. And there never will be another door. You will never find another door into the kingdom because Messiah has already been perfected. And 
He's got his immortal body, so it's impossible for him to die again. And therefore, you had it. You were enlightened. You tasted the heavenly gift. And then you turned away from it. You fell away from it. And you cannot be brought back to repentance. And repentance is a key factor for faith in God. So you can repent to God, but then repent away from God, because repentance doesn't mean it's all about God, because repentance is just a turn one way or the other. You're either fully following God or you're fully following the world. And so it it is important for people to recognize, and like you brought up about somebody who's feeling the weight of it and You know, because what happens is, is they get comfortable in their Christianity where they're hiding their sin and then the enemy backs off and they get to feel good about themselves thinking that they're, they're doing good and they're not, they're not paying any attention to the sin they're, they're committing. And then like always happens, they start to think in the nighttime and they do things and then they're like I shouldn't be doing this and I I know this is wrong and and innately people know that they're not supposed to sin but they haven't been taught in this world of I faith in this day and age how to get to that place where you don't have sin in your life how could I, as a overseer of the church, be above reproach if I have sin? Now, I have issues in the body of flesh of continuing working out in the subconscious uh, to get rid of, the, to continually clean that house, but I have the perfection of Yah with no sin. I have the fullness of deity in bodily form. And if I have the fullness of deity, deity does not sin. So I cannot sin. And these, I'm just bringing these things up. So people who want to know the truth, who are seeking with all of their heart, will look into these things and recognize and truly believe what the Bible says, not what man says. We'll say it again and again. We want the truth out there, so we will continue to do this podcast and offer that truth. But the reality is, is that you have to discover it for yourself. That is the best way. So don't just take what we say or anybody else and just agree with it because it sounds good. No, you dig into the word and you figure it out. And if, if you find where we truly misspeak, then let's, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's go through it so we can settle the issue in the midst of it. So just some really important stuff as we look at this aspect of uh, sin and unforgivable sin and what type of sin that you should pray for and what type of sin you shouldn't pray for. Well, I'm going to take it back to when I started speaking and you have given me, mother has given me help through you on this a a few times on the podcast, but this time it's coming to mind for me to 
to clarify because it's so important when we're speaking or if you're speaking to anybody about the truth of God is that you speak to people in a way so that people can understand what you mean so that there's not confusion on, well, what are you talking about? I'm not really following you. And I want to go back to when I started speaking about the, as we started about that sin that leads to death and then the ultimate sin that does lead to eternal death is blasphemy of mother. And, and you had mentioned this, that sin is disobedience to God. There is nothing more important in the journey of faith is figuring out how to obey God, no matter what the circumstance, it doesn't matter if it leads to your death, if it leads to you having less suffering, it leads to more suffering, whatever it is, obedience to God is the most important thing. Now, repentance is important, trust, but obey God is even God said through Samuel that is it better to obey God than sacrifice? So figure out what you can do to get away from sin, and then God will give you what you need to take sin away from you when you prove faithful that you don't want to disobey. So any sin, as you said, any sin that you don't repent of and you don't find the fullness of faith in the end that all sin that is still sin and not turning into holiness to where you have the fullness will result in death. And what I wanted to clarify was who John is talking to, who Yah is talking to are the believers in God. So the concept of when John mentions there is sin that leads to death, I'm not saying that we should pray about that. He's talking to the believers in God to say that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the sin that ultimately leads to eternal death. Don't pray about that. Don't pray for people that are sinning and not walking in repentance. Get away from that stuff. This is to bring understanding on misunderstanding of what people think that either they think of or they don't even know the truth of. Well, what is, because when you were going to mainstream church, just like me, did you ever have a teaching on this is what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, and this is how you get to that point, and this is this uh, the situation you would have to be in, the position you would have to be in, but none of that is, well, you just, for example, it may be said, well, you don't do that because you accepted Jesus and you're a follower of his, so you would never do that, but it's got to be understood that you've got to be enlightened. You have to know the truth of God in order to understand what it is to blaspheme because Messiah didn't say to them, well, you're eternally condemned because you said that I have an un- impure spirit. No, he says, because they didn't know what they don't know what they're doing, that you don't understand that you're in danger because don't call the spirit of God an impure spirit. Don't do that because you're in danger. You don't understand this. Don't get to a point where it says that you've been, and notice the, the tense of the verb here, that once you've been enlightened, meaning that mother has entered your heart, you have the circumcision of the heart, you're sealed, you've been enlightened. So why do you want to bring darkness back into the light that there cannot be any darkness in the presence of God? So you blaspheming mother is you saying your desire is to turn and go back to sin and go back to my enemy, which is the enemy, Satan. You want to go back to the wolf after you've been given the spirit of life through our son and his sacrifice and yours. You want to go back to that? Well, if you do that, then like you said, that was a great analogy I gave you that the door disappears. And it's just like it would be like if somebody kicked you out of a house and you fell out of the house, like you fall away quickly and there is no return. It's not, oh, wait, I didn't mean it. 
No, because at that point you wait a minute, you know what you're doing and you still choose to cross that line anyway. And something I found interesting about this as well as this, it says you cannot be brought back to repentance. Well, Abba is the one that you repent to first. Well, you've already angered him to the point of get out of my sight. Well, you're not going to be brought back to that, nor would your repentance be of any validity because you have no sacrifice for sin because Messiah is not going to come again. And now you're bringing the death of Messiah up into the face of Yah again to a shame of you're putting our son through this again because of your, just like Sodom and Gomorrah, you're longing to look back to that life of sin and you think that you're going to come back. And it says in the word, it would have been better to not know the way of righteousness than to be in that position because talking about like a dog going back to its vomit or a pig wallowing in the mire is don't go back to that old way because once you've aped the corruption of the flesh and then you go back again, that's not a place to be. It would be better if you had never even known it because it's going to be worse if you get entangled in it and overcome than if you had not even come there before. And you had mentioned this. I thought you were going to this aspect of John, and you mentioned about all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How much of the word is misused, and especially in the letter of First John, where it says, "If you confess, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins." Which is saying that you you confess your sins, you're walking in repentance. That Abba is faithful and just. And Yeshua as well, because he was given power to forgive sins that your your sins will be forgiven. It's overlooked on and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the circumcision of the heart where you can now be holy. Well, if you've been cleansed and then you go back to the old way, you're muddying the water again. And therefore, mother cannot dwell forever in a heart that's got sin in it. So therefore you're telling mother you're evicted, get out. And y'all will not tolerate that because it's by grace you've been saved. So you're trampling the blood of Messiah underfoot. And like it says in the word that you're treating the blood of Messiah as a common thing. And it actually says insulted the spirit of grace. You've insulted God. Don't insult God because that when you do that, that's direct defiance. And therefore that will be dealt with swiftly. And that's why you abandon it and you're kicked out and no return. So this is, it's good to talk about this because if you, if people don't understand that, then if you don't understand it, then you get to a point where you're not paying attention and you start getting frustrated at God because, well, I thought, God, you were going to do this and you didn't do it. And I don't understand. And then be careful. Don't like it says, don't let a bitter root stir up and cause trouble. You know, don't fall short of the grace of God. If, if you've got it, just be careful. And, and that's the thing is, and that was the exact story that I was thinking of with Ananias and Sapphira, that if they would have just said, you know what, we, we were selfish in this situation and we, we should have done this or that. And we didn't. And here's what we did, but it's like, it gives you the opportunity to climb clean and you think that you can manipulate God and you're not going to be able to do that. And it, the, this whole thing that 
came to mind for me with this was with the blessings, blessings and the curses is that that's why the word talks about just being careful not to complain because when you complaining will build a grudge or resentment and you don't realize you're doing it. And then one day you just have the frustration build up and then all of a sudden you blow your top and something happens and you're like, how did this happen? Well, is because train yourself to be godly, evaluate your lower conscience, what you're doing and what, and how you're doing it. Because Yah's not going to sit there and be like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's no big deal. No, th that's why they say ahead of time that evaluate. And Job is a great story to evaluate that he was attempting to justify himself and not God. And our goal in faith should be, Yah, you're justified in anything and everything that you do. I may not understand it, but your word says to trust in you with all of our heart and lean not on my own understanding. So I'm going to trust in you and everything, and I'm not going to be concerned about me. And that's the best way that when things come up, like something that people would say, it's unfair, you know, a child dies, an auto accident, you lose a job and you get in, in, in the, in the moment because you're programming, you'll, you'll get that rise or something, but it's like, Hey, be careful in this because this is not God's fault. And anything that even God would allow in this, they're fair and just, and they're right. Even if I don't understand it, they're the ones that are just and right. So this is just a way to just those that are on the journey that if you think that faith in God is a cakewalk and you think that faith in God is an easy button, or you think that, wow, you guys have gotten a circumcision on the heart. Everything must be real easy for you and everything is peaceful. No, there is ease in things and there is peace, but there is struggle in it. And, and it's, it's a good warning. It's good to be careful because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They're holy and pure and righteous and perfect. So they don't change. So we've got to be careful and evaluate ourselves. Don't let's not put ourselves in a position for this to happen, but just be careful and just always evaluate and set it in your mind that you are not ever going to blaspheme mother. You are never going to leave your faith. You're never going to quit. Well, if you don't set your mind in that, then, there's a possibility something could happen to say, no, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what suffering, no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to my family, anything, I'm not abandoning my faith. I'm not going to blaspheme God. I'm not going to curse their name. Like what did the enemy try to get Job to do? Well, he'll curse your name. And no, I have. And did Yah know that he wouldn't, he didn't, they didn't know that until he didn't curse their name, but he was confident by watching his life that he was in his mind, he was doing what was right. And therefore God was confident that they won't blaspheme us. And that's what the enemy was attempting to do, trying to get you to sin, just like with Messiah in the desert, that if I can just get him to commit one sin, then Messiah's life that he came for, that plan would be gone because not only would Messiah not be able to get back to his mother and father, but all these people would not be able to get to God. And so with Messiah and his sacrifice, he did that self as well as the people because he was the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's just like the, the priest in the Old Testament that on the Day of Atonement once a year that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. Well, and Messiah did the same thing, but he did that one time for sin so that those in him, you're able to go and enter into the Holy of Holies because when his sacrifice was given, it says that the veil, which was his flesh, was was torn. 
So now we have the way into the most holy place in him. The most holy place is having mother to live within your heart. So make sure that mother is the temple and you're living. She is the one living within you. And there's a scripture that says anyone, if I remember this right, anyone that uh, defames or does something against the temple of God, that God will destroy them. And that's the thing, mother living within your heart, if you desecrate that temple, if you blaspheme her, then God will destroy you. So it just, this is just another one of those really important teachings that goes along with the blessings and the curses and aiming for that perfection is find your way to get the fullness of faith and always evaluate and work out your faith and always add to your faith so that you don't get to a place where you're in danger of doing this very thing. But I'm just seeing this as even the, and this is important, but even more the aspect of people to understand that the gospel message is about you finding the place of living a life as Messiah did without sin. And then that will carry on until the next life into eternity. Because when you leave this earth, when you die, if the sin nature is still in your heart, then that's what you carry with you to the throne of God. And they will not allow anyone that has sin to enter the kingdom of God. So make sure that the sin nature by the circumcision of the heart is put into your body of flesh. Your body of flesh stays here. And then your mind and your spirit go on with God. And then you're given a new body that can house the sin-free life um, because you cannot enter the kingdom of God with any sin. So yeah, just another one of those uh, teachings that, you know, people may read and say, well, well, you won't get to that because you're, you've accepted. And, but it's just so important, as you said this too, that people seek after it to where Yah will teach them these things because we can present the truth like we're doing, but it's up to you to seek it with all your heart and really discover it to where, as you go through the word of God, look what the word of God says and don't stay away from the book of Hebrews because a lot of people, well, Hebrews is for the Jews and yeah, it is. It's for the Israel of God. So if you're seeking after the fullness of faith in God, then Hebrews is for you. And Hebrews talks about in various places, the warnings of abandoning your salvation, because you've had a coaching background. What happens when you forfeit a game? Well, you're, you're pretty much quitting the game and you're stopping the game. And that's the same thing. You're just kind of like you're, you're leaving your bat and you're going home that I don't want this anymore. And I'm leaving it right here and just say, okay, well, if you do that, realize you can't come back. All right. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Well, here's the consequence for it. And in regards to sin, you had made this statement earlier uh, and the statement of all disobedience is sin. And that's, that's important for people to know. Sin is not found in an action. Sin is found in disobedience. The action of disobedience is sin. Two places uh, came to mind where, because in essence, what people will try to do is then they'll try to put us under the written code. Well, I've been crucified with Christ. The written code's been nailed to my cross. So I don't live by the written code. I live by the spirit of, of the, the written code. 
and I get my direction from mother to live that out. And so you can't tell me that, that I still have, or I sin because I'm under the written code. No. And here are two circumstances where it's proof that the obedience is what God's looking for. The, uh, the disobedience is sin. And uh, one that comes to mind is with Messiah when him and the disciples were walking through the grain fields and they were eating the grains without washing their hands. And then the Pharisees came at Messiah about, well, why do your disciples eat with unclean hands? Well, according to the law, that's sin. They sinned. But so, and Messiah allowed them to do that. So according to the law, they were, they were going to put Messiah in the place of sinning. When we know Messiah came, that he wasn't going to sin or he didn't sin. So how do you correlate that to the story where he actually went against what the written code says? Well, part of it is because the lying pen of the scribes. And the other is he made the statement, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. So I, I, I know what's, what's legal to do or not. And then the other one that came to mind, Peter. Was Peter sinning when he was going to the Gentiles, when God called him to go to the Gentiles? Because he was supposed to stay separated as a Jew under the law, that you separate yourself from the Gentiles. And so him going to the Gentiles after God had the conversation with him, it was about obedience. Peter, kill and eat. Get up. Go go to the Gentiles because that's I, I have this message over for this this person over here. Now, if Peter would have said, No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to follow the law, then that would have been the end for Peter. Because it's about obedience to God. Whatever God asks you to do, that's what I'm going to do. For me, whatever God asks me to do, when I know it's God and I know that they're telling me to do this, that's what I'm going to do. I want to interject just real quick. This came to mind that Yah in their mercy, because of his programming, I remember him saying, well, well, Lord, I just you know, says this, that it's not unclean to eat. And God was okay with that because he wasn't defiant. Like, no, the law says he was just, well, yeah, I just, I want to be sure because your law says that we're not supposed to eat this certain animal. Is this, are you sure that this is what we want? And then yeah, knowing that, okay, we can, we know that you were being obedient to that, but this is what we want you to do. So they were, it, it wasn't, I don't see him. It was a humble mindset of Lord. I just, you told us not to eat these unclean animals. Like, do you really want me to? And then Yah's like, no, go do this. It wasn't a, well, nope, I'm not doing it. No, because he still, that shows the heart that he was a heart out of God's own, by a heart after God's own heart, because he wanted to do what was right. And I just, that just came to mind that that's why God didn't rebuke him in that situation that he, they understood that that was his upbringing. And unless you have the heart, that you want to follow the written code, which leads you to that circumcision of the heart, that crucifixion with Christ, so that it's nailed to the cross. 
when you walk through it with that perspective, then that sets you up to be able to walk in the spirit of the law. If you uh, avoid or uh, disregard the written code, it's an impossibility for you to understand and walk through the spirit of what is intended. And so God knows that what they want is you to obey them to the best of your ability. And when you sin, you offer a sacrifice to God. And the sacrifice God's looking for in this day and age with the gospel and with Messiah going, is your sacrifice is you dying to self, that, that you're uh, killing the selfishness in you so that anything God asks you to do, that's what you will do, regardless of what anybody else thinks, whether it's a mother, a daughter, a son, uh, it doesn't matter. And this is what Messiah was talking about when he said, if you're not willing to leave father or mother, son or daughter, husband or wife, then you're not worthy of the kingdom. Well, when you put your hand to the plow, you you plow. And if somebody's with you, great. But if they're not with you, you leave them behind and don't look back. That's the objective goal is that you have to be willing to obey God even when other people aren't going to like. Humankind is not going to like when you obey God. Look at what's going to happen. We, we see in Revelation with the two witnesses at the, uh, at the wailing wall. The people are going to despise them because they're obeying God. Well, don't despise people who are obeying God. The objective goal is you have to get to circumcision of the heart first. For most people who claim faith in God, it is an impossibility for them to commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Meaning that from the the perspective of the book of Hebrews where it says, once you've been enlightened, once you've tasted the heavenly gift, well, that means that you've had circumcision of the heart. You've tasted the heavenly gift. What's the heavenly gift? Living a life without sin. You have no sin. That's the, the life that you have. And then for you to repent of that and turn away from it, then you cannot be brought back to repentance. But here's the thing. Most people are not even close to being in a position that they could actually do that because of what's been taught in uh, Christianity in recent times. And things got uh, twisted and moved around. And a scripture that I believe you brought up talking about a house divided against itself cannot stand. And again, when we talk about Christianity, we we believe that we are to Christianity what Messiah was to Judaism and what Peter 
uh, Peter was to Judaism and Paul was to the Gentiles. So the objective goal is not to be in combat against you, but it's to be in combat for you that when we make statements about Christianity, we really are on your side because here's the thing. Look at, listen to the scripture. When they were trying to pin things on Messiah, saying that he was uh, the son of Beelzebub, that he cast out demons by demons. And then his statement was, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So any house, any church, any religion, any aspect claiming God, if there is division within that, it is not of God, and it will not uh, succeed. Christianity, look at all the divisions in Christianity. There's divisions everywhere, and you take it from a denomination, or you take it from uh, the like the Catholic to the Protestant aspect, and then you go down through each denomination. Each of the denominations are not unified with the other de- the other denominations, and then the uh, what they call the undenominational churches. They're not uh, united but they all claim Christianity and they all claim the others to be Christianity, but there's no unity. There's division. And then that division, you take just one of those denominations and look at the divisions that are in the denomination and then just take one of those churches and look at all the divisions that are in that one church in that denomination and then take it down to the family and look at the divisions in the families. And so the division in Christianity, unfortunately, is rampant throughout. And a house divided against itself cannot stand. So when you see the abomination that causes desolation, flee from it. Get away from it. And that's the the whole objective. That's what what I did when I recognized that the uh, aspect of Christianity, and we're not setting aside Christ Messiah. No, we're we're actually talking about the true faith in Christ Messiah on this journey. So just some, uh, again, some important stuff that people will look at and recognize that when you have any house, you know, you, you have the different uh, religions. You could take it to Hindu. There are variations there. You got uh, the, the Muslim, there's variations there. And why? Because they're divisions. And so it's the same concept with Christianity as well. And that's what we say. Look, look at what the Bible says. When Messiah himself says a house divided against itself cannot stand. And if you're honest with the base of Christianity, then you have to recognize that I've got to get away from this because it's not true. 
It's not going to stand. It cannot stand. It's an impossibility to stand when you can't even get families to be united together. And that's what Paul spoke about, about having the bond of unity, not the bond of division. And so in order to even get to the place of circumcision of the heart, you have to depart from Christianity, but don't depart from Christ. Don't depart from God. Go to Abba. See Abba as a terror. Then go to Messiah and and see Messiah so he can show you the obedience. And then Messiah will bring you to mother and she'll teach you how to trust. And that's the the concept at which we must have it. And this is why it's important that we are on the same page along with everybody in our gathering, so that if somebody asks us a question and they ask them a question, and it's a question that we all know the answer to, our answer better be the same. It might be varied by how you told it, but the meat of it's going to be the same answer. If you ask anybody in our gathering, is the way to salvation except Jesus as Lord and Savior? Nobody in the gathering will say, yes, that's the way it is. No, they're going to agree that it's, this is what it is. Now, just because we have people in the gathering, it's the people who are in faith in Messiah, who have the circumcision of the heart, who have the ability to be unified. Those are the ones that are unified because you may have people who are in a church who don't have circumcision of the heart, who don't understand, who, who have questions, but we're not going to modify the truth of God just to make you feel good. So just as I, again, really important, listen to the scripture. You know, I, that's all we're doing is we're telling you what the scripture says A house divided against itself cannot stand. You have to take that into consideration. And if you don't, shame on you. Because if you truly want to know the truth and you truly are seeking God with all of it, then you will recognize that, well, the Bible says, and Messiah himself said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So I'm going to seek to be a part of something that is not divided as such. And even Paul going to the point of saying that if anybody preaches to you anything different than what we've, what we've brought to you, the gospel that you accepted, let them be eternally condemned. Why? Because we have to have the bond of unity. And if you accept something different, then we can't be unified. And if we're, if you're not unified with the truth of God, then you have to expel the immoral brother. You, you have to take somebody if they have circumcision of the heart and they're not uh, lining up with God and they're uh, really they're moving in that blasphemy perspective. No, uh, you need to uh, be put out of the gathering to be taught not to blaspheme. And then if, if, you've, uh, if you haven't, completely blasphemed after circumcision. If you haven't blasphemed after circumcision of the heart, not completely because it is anyway, any blasphemy would be uh, complete. In the journey 
while you're still sinning and you haven't been cleansed yet and you have these issues, then that's why you're removed from the gathering so that you can deal with them and learn not to blaspheme so that because if you learn not to blaspheme, then when you have circumcision of the heart, you won't commit that unforgivable sin and turn away from it. You had brought out something I want to kind of circle this back around to that just it came to mind. This is so important. To, it's a huge key to understand the truth of God, to know that the if you've done something or if you're capable, because you had mentioned that with the Old Testament, that the Old Testament is a tutor to lead you to Messiah in the New Testament, that the Old Testament teaches you the way of obedience, that this is, if you don't follow the Old Testament and the law and you're not willing to obey it in your mind the very best that you can, then how are you going to be able to be brought to, and I'll put it this way, like as you said, that Messiah in his own words, he said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, that he's the Lord of obedience. So if you don't learn that if you're not willing to obey what the Old Testament says in your mind, then you're not going to understand the spiritual aspect of obedience, which is the heart and the desire, no matter what God says, just like Messiah said, here I am, I've come to do your will, O God. If you don't, if you're not in training to learn the fundamentals of obedience there with Abba, then he's not going to bring you to his son because he's the this written code is a shadow of the life of my son. So if you don't adhere to this, then you don't understand in the physical, then you're not going to understand the spiritual to go to that next step. And with these things is that where have you seen in the mainstream churches where they even have an understanding of what repentance to Abba is and them doing that? Well, if they don't do that, then you're not going to be in a position to be drawn to Messiah And then even there, you're not going to be drawn into a position to crucify yourself with Christ, to be buried with him in baptism, to be raised to newness of life, to where mother can then do her work, because be careful not to blaspheme the work of mother, because we have to understand what the work of mother is versus the work of the enemy. The work of the enemy is to keep people in sin. The work of mother is to come into the heart and circumcise the heart of the person that is set on not ever sinning again for their entire life. So if you don't understand those concepts, then you're not going to be in a position to even understand what blasphemy against mother would be in her work. If you don't understand it, you're not in a position to do it. And that's why Messiah was saying that along the journey, you're going to have moments where that sin occurs, but once you get to the the holy place, and we have this in the tabernacle, you have the veil that divides from the altar of incense and, and keeps you from the Ark of the Covenant. Well, with the sin nature in place, that veil is there, where mother, you're not able to have mother come into your heart because the veil of sin is there. And that's why when it says, when anybody turns to the Lord, and ultimately in Messiah, the veil is taken away, the sin nature is taken away, and then Mother, who mentions that is the most holiest of all, that place of having the spirit of, of Yah in your heart, 
that she comes to live in your heart takes away sin. So now you have the godly nature. And how blasphemous is it that you have the godly nature in your heart and you want the human nature back in and you want the godly to be expelled? Well, that's not going to be tolerated because we trusted you in order to have circumcision in our heart. We proved you trustworthy and now you're breaking trust. You're breaking faith. You're breaking this covenant that you've made with us. You're divorcing us. And we hate divorce, therefore, no more, because Yah will not divorce the person. The person will divorce Yah. So you've already fully committed yourself to be married to Messiah, and then you just turn away from it because you want to go back to the selfish ways, and God will not permit that. That's why that, yes, you have free will choice to do it, but it says in Hebrews, we're confident of better things for you and those that are doing these things that Yah hasn't forgotten the things that you are doing and have done. So just know that it's there, but just like anything, just don't go near that. Don't even entertain any of those thoughts. Don't even have it in your mind, but just know that it's there because you still have the free will to do it. But again, we're talking to people that are on the journey seeking with all their heart to find this fullness of faith and just realize that, yes, there's struggles, there's sufferings on the way, and you've got to understand what the Word of God says is that you can abandon your salvation. People in the world can say whatever they want to say, but we're speaking the truth of God that once you've been enlightened and you have the fullness of faith, you can forfeit this faith. So make sure you're in a place where your mindset shall never do that. You're going to stay away from that. And just like the thing, draw near to God, they'll draw near to you, resist the devil, and they will flee from you. Stay close to God. Stay away from the area that you would do any of those things. Have deeper relationship with Yah, conversation with Yah. Help them, ask them to help you see things you're not seeing so that you don't. It's one of those things, I, a few times I got into watching the alien um things with like area 51 different things like that and it's it, it makes me think of like the area 51 you're driving down that that dirt road in nevada and you get to that that little gate that says warning military installation and you see up there you've got what's called the camo dudes are up in that truck up there sitting right up on the hill watching you and that truck will stay right there you can come right up to the line you can get right up to the sign just like in front of me is this table here and i can it says warning right there you set one foot over that warning sign and all of a sudden here comes that truck. It comes flying down the hill and you, well, I didn't mean to. And I just, no, what did it say? It says warning, don't do this because it doesn't matter if you stick one little finger over one toe, you, you don't, you can, cause they even have people that attempt to test those guys and they'll just stand there, take a picture right there and they're watching them and they're like, yeah, we know what you're doing. You're, just to get as close as you can, but you right when you cross that line, they come down there, you're arrested, you're handcuffed, and you're charged, and you got to go back and have to face a judge for that. And well, I didn't do anything. I just I just wanted to see. And that's the thing with y'all. These are these warnings that they put in place, and it's got that warning sign there. Don't go past it. It's just like the goads. It's hard for you if you kick against the goads. They're put in place for protection. So. Just know that with the things of God, the warnings are there for a reason. 
and it's warning those that are seeking after faith in God. And there's a reason for them being there. So in your journey in faith in Yah, when you get to the fullness of it, stay away from those things. But just know that that's why we're mentioning them instead of, well, people may say, well, it's not. People wouldn't, you know, once you accept, you know, you're saved, you can't lose it. No, no, we're not saying that because the word of God says different. And we're speaking and and teaching by mother the, the truth of God. So this is just one of those things that it's important to talk about because people you know, it's up to you to, to seek after the truth. And, and again, we're just presenting, we're just putting the food on the table and it's up to each person to decide if you're going to eat, eat the food, drink the living water or not. It's up to each person. You need to have the fear of God. That's scriptural. That is the first part of the journey. That's Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of your journey to wisdom. You don't get to wisdom, which is mother, until the end of your journey. Because there's a veil that covers mother because she belongs to Abba and you can't see her because you're not in the family. Only when you come into the family are you able to then see her. And then when you've seen her and you've seen her glory, and then you're going to turn away from it. And again, mother is the most protected one in the, the uh, God perspective. That's why you've got to go through the father first to go see the son. Then you've got to go through the son then to see the mother. And then when you respect all of them, then that's when you get that relationship. You get the uh, sinful nature removed from your heart, which then gives mother the ability to live within you. And anybody who has sin, mother can come upon you, but she cannot live in your heart. And if you don't have mother in your heart, you're not in Messiah. So it's really important that people understand that perspective because if you claim you sin and claim that the spirit is in you, well, you're speaking blasphemy because you're speaking uh, wickedness about the spirit because the spirit, you're saying the spirit will dwell with sinful people. And that's not the case. The spirit will not dwell with sinful people. God will not dwell with sinful people. And so these are, again, just important things. The, the fact of this is, is that you've got to find the fear of the Lord. That's the whole purpose of the old or the original covenant, what we call the Old Testament. The original covenant is there so you will see God do what he says they're going to do and that you will be punished for your sin. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All will be punished for that. And you must find that place of fearing Abba before you can move to be a friend. And you will only find that by going to Abba 
in the Old Testament by showing Abba that you agree with the Old Testament, that, that you agree with the written code, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And when I fail at it, I'm going to offer God the continual sacrifice of, no, I, I still don't agree with it, and I'm going to fight it until the day I die. I'm just, I don't agree with this. And whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, well, now we can move you to Messiah. But it is important that you you follow the journey from the right perspective. And it it'll look, it'll be the same thing for everybody, but it'll look a little bit different for each person as an individual. But you, no matter who you are, you cannot repent to God if you don't first fear them. Because what drives you to the full agreement with them if you don't have any fear of them? Well, why would you agree with somebody that you don't fear? So you must find the fear of God and then God will move you to Messiah. The, the, the biggest key factor in this is the beginning of the gospel message of what we talk about is that you have to, with absolution, 100%, set it in your mind, you're going to seek God with all of your heart, and then do the actions of doing that, digging in the word, figuring out what it says, and believe what the word says, not what man says. And we continually want to tell you that so that you see it. But you must see God as a terror because I promise you, anybody who disrespects his wife, his beloved, is going to be dealt with and dealt with sharply and quickly. It, there's not going to be any hesitation in the midst of it. And if it's like if someone in this world, if you love your wife and somebody comes at her, you're going to do the same thing because that, that's your objective goal is her protection, and you take that seriously. Well, if we take it seriously, God takes it that much more seriously. And so we don't want to test God from that perspective of disrespecting his beloved and then us having to deal with God after that, just like trampling the blood of his son as well, that now you, now you got to deal with the perfect God who has wrath and anger for people like you who are not going to do the obedient thing and walk in true faith in God. And so for me, with this uh, perspective, it really drives the concept of the fear of God because you get to blasphemy because you don't fear God, because you don't care about punishment. And no, you need to care about it. You need to, to know that even, even if you're fearing something else in life, snake, mouse, spiders, whatever it is, that you're really fearing God because fear has to do with punishment. And so you want to make sure you settle the issue. And that one who's a terror, you want to be your daddy. You want to be the one who's caring for you and looking over you, not the one who's going to come at you to deal with you because you have disrespected 
they're his uh, beloved or his son, or he even says to uh, some of the um, prophets, if they if they're a terror to you, I will be a terror to them. I will terrorize them, but don't let them be a terror to you. Why? Because you're proving that God is the one who is the most terrifying uh, being to come up against when you're not on their side. And so don't blaspheme. Don't commit the unforgivable sin. Just had this something to add in, in regards to this. Remember what Messiah said that when he was being crucified, that he says, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. To get to a point to blaspheme mother, think about the the process. You're enlightened, which means you have the fullness of deity in bodily form. You've come to the Father to where you know the Father through repentance. You come to know obedience through knowing Yeshua. You now know mother, knowing trust, and with sin not being in your life, you have the fullness of deity. You have a relationship with them. There is no, oh, I didn't know. I didn't understand. You know, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. No. If you get to that point, you know what you're doing. And that's the key because you've been enlightened. It's like in this room we're in, it's enlightened to where I can't say, Philip, I don't see you. No, I, I didn't know. It's no, I'm face to face. And what are you doing? What do you mean you're going to leave this? Yeah, that's right. And and it's a face-to-face. It's a, I could just see it like it's a getting on a point of defiance of, it wouldn't be, oh my gosh, I didn't realize it would be, yeah, uh, this is of my own will. And I, I could just see the, just thinking about the enemy being with God. And it's just that, just realize if you do this, then there is no, there is no coming back from this and you still do it. You You have no excuse. You have no I didn't understand because when you, when you seek with all your heart and you come to Abba in repentance, you don't know what you're doing. And, and that's the key. That's why there's mercy. Cause you don't know what you're doing. This is like, it would be like, Sean, Phil, what, what are you doing? What? I don't understand. You're leaving us, you know, to where, and because I could just see there's an attitude. There's a, it isn't just like you just wake up one day and just all of a sudden you just fall out of the bed and that's it. That's what it is. No, it's like, it's a, it, it makes, it reminds me of why first degree murder is looked at. So as frowned upon because it's premeditated murder. You, you plotted it, you thought it, you knew what you were doing. You knew it was wrong. Just like the one that knows what is right to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. So because of enlightenment, we know blasphemy of mother is sin. So the only, for, for us, it would have, it would be intentional. There is no, well, we didn't understand that you could blaspheme the spirit. So we just, we, we did it. We fell into it. No, it would be, you know what you're doing. Don't do this because if you do, there is no, oh, okay, well, we understand no, it, it's a, I'm seeing it as it's a, the ultimate betrayal of someone that saved you from sure death. And then you look at it as no big deal. The son of God was crucified. No big deal. It, it's just a, just one of those things. And no, it, it's 
the precious blood of Messiah is what the word says. You weren't saved from by earthly things, but the precious blood of Messiah, that the blood of the Son of God is what redeemed you. Don't treat it as something that's just a common thing. Don't go back to the old way of selfishness because it, it's God has given up their very life for you and then you insult them. So just things by coming to mind. But again, it's so important to realize that the majority of people have not to that point. And it's very good to have an understanding because a lot of people will beat themselves up and just go get on the tizzy because they think they've committed this sin in Hebrews. And no, you don't understand. You're not even in the position to be in that position in Hebrews. But once again, these things, this is something that is we're just presenting truth that Yah wants us to present. This is something that needs to be understood. But the only way to understand this is by, and Phil, as you said, fearing the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom, the journey to wisdom. Just another one of those really important topics. Phil, this has been a really good conversation at this point. Uh, we'll go ahead and end the podcast for now. Is there anything further you'd like to, nothing, nothing further? But um, just encourage all those that are listening in to really don't just listen to these and just say, well, that, that sounds good. I agree with that. No, really dig into the word and look into it because we've been on this journey for quite a while. And this is just something that we've, we have heart knowledge of. We're experiencing the, the truth of God. And so just encourage all those that are listening in to really seek God with all your heart and we said this before, we haven't said it in a while, but if you anybody has any questions, anything like that, we would really like to hear questions. They, it can even be somebody has a topic for a podcast that, you know, we very, very much open to do that. And if you are on Facebook, we have a Facebook page, which is Hidden Treasures with an S Revealed. And if you would like to send an email, our email, email address is Hidden Treasures Revealed at AOL.com. And if you'd like to send us a question, we'd, you know, really enjoy doing that. So Lord willing, we will have a podcast this coming Saturday, but um, just wish everyone out there a good evening. And um, next time we're on the air, we'll be with you presenting the truth of God. We'll see you there. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Reveal. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.